Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. And uh, congratulations to, I guess is in order, uh, to your pastor for being elected as the uh, district superintendent. Amen. Of course, it's always a privilege uh, uh, to be with him. He's a, uh, a wonderful leader, uh, and uh, we expect great things. Amen. No pressure, Brother Cox. Hallelujah. It's great to see Brother and Sister Lear. We love you very much, and I uh, think of you often. Of course, if, you're, if you'll turn in your Bibles to Matthew 7 while you're turning there, uh, let me just say it was a treat, uh, especially to be back in Minnesota and be a part of the youth camp. And I appreciate Brother Brom, his sweet wife, and the whole team. They did a phenomenal job. I, I just want to compliment this church on sharing your uh, talent with the rest of the body of Christ. I know that's a sacrifice. And I know it includes probably a lot of you being on board to uh, be a part of that. I just want to compliment you on that. And, uh, and, and thank you for uh, uh, being selfless and sharing uh, the talent the Lord has given you. I- I'm going to be uh, a little bit more reflective tonight. We might do something a little different uh, tomorrow. But I-, I just want to share what I feel from my heart tonight. Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to spend uh, our time together talking about two verses. It's uh, verse 13 and verse 14. Jesus says, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And then Jesus says something interesting. He says, And many there be that which go in thereat. And then creating discernment in his listeners, confronting our hearts, Jesus says something powerful. He gives us insight into the human condition. He says, because, why do so many go in the broad way? Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. I want to talk about uh, tonight just... Uh, I'll teach you a little. I want to build your understanding around uh, maybe this little simple title, Two Destinations. Turn to your neighbor and say, two. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at what I would say five simple points from Christ on two, uh, the two destinations. And um, if you'll let me just teach a little bit and talk a little bit tonight, I promise to have a little bit maybe more pizzazz and energy tomorrow. But I want to go real slow Uh, So I can deal with, I think, uh, some discernment issues that will help you face your culture with faith and understanding. All right, so uh, let's build tonight. So Jesus gives five points. He gives, he talks about two gates, two ways, two destinations, two groups, and then two responses. Two gates, two ways, two destinations, Two groups, two responses. Over 40, uh, there are over 40 parables in the scripture. It's interesting, about a third of Christ's teaching was parable. 
uh, parables. But this is, uh, Brother Herbst, this is the close of arguably what even secular uh, secular people, scholars who don't even believe uh, the Bible is the word of God, they would say that this is the close of the greatest sermon uh, by arguably the greatest preacher that ever lived. And Jesus does something interesting because if you take a homiletics class, the art of preaching, uh, Brother Bubbles, when O.C. Marler was teaching us, he, he would say as much as possible, you should end pos- uh, uh, in a positive note, but Jesus chooses not to do that. He, he doesn't close happy, and it's not a rhetorical strategy uh, that's meant to somehow do something uh, intentionally in the sense that he wants to impact you as just some type of speaker. Jesus does that because he doesn't want to subtract from the sobriety of the warning. Why? He sh- I think the Lord is teaching us that if our flesh can, it will squirm out from underneath the word as it's going forth. Uh, I know that doesn't happen here in Minnesota, but in Indiana, every once in a while, the preacher will be up there preaching, and if our flesh can, we will take, in the middle of listening to a sermon or a lesson, and we will try to find a way to justify hanging on to what we want to hang on to, to not not surrender things that we know we need to surrender. So what Jesus says is, I'm not going to let this happen, and he frames this lesson that he gives in eternal urgency. And he says something like this, this beautiful little principle is going to be laid out where he says life and death is in responding to his words. Uh, To say it the way the old timers used to say, there's a principle of life that you need to understand that we are a product of our choices. Now, what does that mean? Now, how many have ever taught a Sunday school class? All right, if you've ever been a teacher, you know that when you give a lesson, that uh, there are basically uh, something that you can know about your audience. Uh, there are two types of people that are listening. The first person that hears the lesson, they were glad to be there, they heard the lesson, Brother Herbston, and, and they're, they're happy to be at the event, event. That's the first listener. But then there's the second type of listener that is not only there to hear the lesson, to hear the sermon, to hear what Jesus is teaching, but there are those that are eager to hear and then obey. They're eager to hear and then apply. And so what Jesus does is at the end of his sermon, he's very happy to tell uh, both of those types of people in the group their future. He says, uh, you're headed somewhere. Both of you, he would say, are heading somewhere. That you're making choices and you're free to choose. And, but ultimately, you determine the road, the way, and the destination of your life one choice at a time. What does that mean, Brother Kilman? That this life principle being disclosed is the context of our lives. Can I be a little more plain tonight? Uh, The context of our marriage, the context of our family, the context of the very fabric of our living is uh, is decided by our choices. Families choose, churches choose, Uh, I'll dare say, uh, uh, pastor, that organizations choose, movements choose, even nations choose the context and the fabric of their being, of their everyday life, and every choice, Jesus says, leads to to some gate. It places us on some road, and that leads to a destination. 
Now, what does that mean, Brother Kilman? Well, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says it uh, wonderfully. There is a way that seemeth right unto man. It just paints the picture clear. But the end thereof are what? The ways of... Mm. So the Lord's caution, this little lesson that he's given at the Sermon on the Mount is don't only look at the immediate. You've got to consider the end. So let me see if I can, I can do this fast tonight. There, he says there are two gates... And turn to your neighbor and say, and only two gates. He says there is a straight gate and there is a wide gate. Uh, uh, the, the Greek is very strong, te straitas, apules, which is, uh, it, it's, uh, in, indicates something, that there is, a, there is a wide gate. And you can, many of you can go in at the same time, but there is a straight gate. There is a, he, the, the, the Greek word means a, a constrained gate. And so Jesus is being very plain that uh, this entrance into the straight uh, gate includes restrictions. It includes prohibitions. You ready? It includes a Lord. It's uh, fascinating to me that uh, Brother Herb said we're called people of the way before they were ever called Christians. And if you're going to enter into the way, you ready, and become a Christian like Christ, you have to accept Christ as your Lord. They, the restriction says something like this. Old timers used to say, he's Lord of all or not at all. And that means if you're going to get on the straight gate that God has for your life. Now, I'm going to be really plain tonight. I'm going to teach, but I'm, I'm aimed at more than uh, just uh, your brain tonight. I, 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 what a wonderful defense of the scripture, Brother Herbs. I love that. And, and we have to have a word that we can stand on that's believable and defendable. But you ready? More, more than just having a word that you can defend. And, and that's exactly right. Now that we know we have a word that dictates life. You can say to people, if you're tired of the context of your life looking like the bondage and the damage and the sin and the trouble out in the world, you need to switch roads. But if you're going to get out of the way that leads to death, that way that seemed right to your marriage, that seemed right to you, you ready? You got to say, I'm willing to accept the Lord Jesus Christ and come in at the straight gate. So Jesus is saying, no curios, something like this. Brother Herbst will throw a little Greek at him. No curios, no doulos, no doulos, no curios. That means no servant, no Lord, no Lord, no servant. You have to serve the Lord. You have to, okay, you have to accept servanthood. You have to say, I have a Lord. The moment you do that, you open yourself up to a way. I don't have time to deal with that in detail. But I think it's fascinating that you can be exposed to church uh, your entire life. You can be raised on a pew like I was. And, and you can drop somehow into faulty thinking that I will be saved by what I know, not what I apply. But obedience and faith are, insep are, are inseparable. And Jesus is trying to say something like this. You can believe the right things about me, but you ready? Not have a relationship with me. That's why he will say on that day, uh, many will say to me, God, we've done all these wonderful works, cast out devils, great miracles. And Jesus will say, depart from me, ye workers of. You didn't come by the straight gate. Therefore, I never knew you. 
We don't have time to deal with the Hebrew word yadah. I'll let Brother Herbst deal with that. Hallelujah. And then, then the second point Jesus makes, turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to get good. The second thing that Jesus says is there's two ways. Turn to your neighbor and say, only two ways. I, I love the poem by uh, John Oxenham. It's called The Way. The way. He says, to every man there openeth a way, a ways, and a way. And the high soul climbs the highway, and the low soul gropes the low. And in between on the misty flats, the rest drift to and fro. And to every man there openeth a highway and a low. And then he ends by saying, every man decideth the way his soul shall go. What does that mean, Brother Kilman? There's only two ways. There is a narrow way and there is a broad way. If you pull up fairs, and I, I was uh, totally impressed uh, this afternoon at lunch, and uh, your pastor was telling me the things that you guys have been studying, how to dig deeply into the Word of God. And so if you look at fairs, that definition uh, of, the, uh, of narrow, where we get uh, that word translated, it means a compressed way, a narrow way, a straightened way. Figuratively, it means to trouble, to afflict, and to distress. And what Jesus is trying to give is a spiritual insight that there is a broad way where everything is accepted. And that's why so many people travel it. Because you can live any way you want, do anything you want to do, you're ready, and you can walk that pathway, and, and there are many that go in there. And Jesus is saying, I'm telling you up front, the path that if you're going to serve me is admittedly narrow. I'm not going to hide the cost. I won't deceive you. This is a narrow way. And so one of the reasons I'm teaching on this tonight is because I know as the church, we're facing cultural pressure and if you'll forgive me for this, by uh, what's often viewed as successful elites in our culture that says that the narrowness of our belief is something bad or, or much more, uh, Sister Lear, even dangerous. They cast open-mindedness as valuable. And not only do they expect you to tolerate it, but they demand uh, that type of open-mindedness. And I, I won't uh, spend a whole lot of time there uh, tonight other than to say something like this. Uh, I might as well, you know, I'm, I'm from Indiana, just blame it on that. Nobody's selling hell. Nobody's selling pain. They're selling lies, and the lies, Brother uh, Brown, they will say, well, bless your life. And, and, and as I tried my best at, at, at that uh, camp, youth camp this summer, I tried to tell young people, if sin blesses, why isn't it blessing? And from the perspective of heaven, there's only two roads. So let me, let me give you some uh, things tonight. Uh, uh, there were some progressives that came into uh, America. And we've, we're learning about these now in the past uh, two or, or three uh, maybe generations. We've, we've figured out that there are people that come along in these past two or uh, three generations. Brother Herbst like John Dewey, who by the time he got done with American education... He removed every reference to God in the Bible out of American education, public education. Uh, we don't have time to talk about people like Hall or Baldwin or Margaret Sanger or, or Woodrow Wilson, who said, I think college is the place to make uh, young men as least like their fathers as possible. And then people like uh, who, the, uh, Saul Alinsky who wrote Rules for Radicals, that you sell change and, uh, and by the time you make change seem inevitable, man, then you can really change a society. 
So let me give you five thinkers tonight. Create some discernment so that you can understand your cultural moment. I have to be careful how I talk about them. I'm aware of the context of the room and the ages. But let me me go ahead and tell you about the Frankfurt School. The Frankfurt School was made up of people who fled uh, from Germany and and united in America. And what they decided to do is that they were going to change Brother Bublitz America. And so the first one of these thinkers that started kind of a, 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 a concrete philosophy of a takeover, uh, not militarily, but a philosophically of America, was George Lukacs. And Lukacs realized, he said, that if the family unit and the morals around sexuality were eroded, society can be broken down. So what you really need to do is you need to destroy the family and sexual morality and man, you can bring uh, uh, incredible change to America. So he, here's what he said you should do. You should target children's minds through lectures and that encourage them to deride and reject Christian ethics. He said one way you could do that is through cultural, terror, uh, te- cultural terrorism, which we would call the sexual re- uh, uh, revolution, Brother Herbs, of the 1960s. And he says the intent is to destroy the family. And that was embraced by baby boomers. And he says this is what you need to do, uh, adopt critical theory, which would criticize every pillar, uh, pillar of Western culture, family, democracy, common law, freedom of speech, and all of these other things. Deride those things to the point that they're destroyed. And the hope is, is you put so much pressure on these pillars that they will crumble and you can reinvent society under a socialist framework. So destroy the family. Number two, Antonio uh, Gromsky, the second thinker, said, you're right, we got to take over the family. Why? Because when uh, somebody tells you this is what you should do and this is how you should raise your kids, you're going to probably look back at him, Sister Lear, and say, "Uh, you're not going to tell me how to raise my kids. (laughs) So what you have to do in order to get in charge of of those children is you got to destroy the context of family and make them the ward of the state. How do you do that? Gromsky said the problem is Christianity. Christianity builds strong families, so the roots have to be cut. And what you need to do, rather than seize power first, he says, and he coined the term, is to take the long march through the institutions. You need to get in control of all of the arenas of ideas like media, technology now, uh, uh, American education. Uh, you got to get in control of all of those things, and you got to destroy two things, the family and Christianity. That's why, that, now I'm going to create some discernment tonight, if you'll let me. Uh, That's why the greatest attacks in our culture right now is against the family and against the church. Why? Because Christianity builds strong families and families build a strong society on conservative principles and they will not let somebody else get in charge of their life. Then you had number three, Herbert Marcuse. He said, yes, you're right, but we got to implement Gromsky and he, he uh, took Mao's definition of uh, political correctness, brought it over to America, uh, sold multiculturalism to America as if every culture was equal, and now he says you got to get to where you're running every elite institution in America. That's about all I should say on that. What's fascinating to me is uh, when you look at Vladimir Lenin, you know, his regime, that Russian regime, Soviet Union, shook the world for 70 years 
But Gramsci's revolution was mostly underground in American education and in the culture. Lenin's regime collapsed and is detested by most people even today, but Gramsci's was accepted in our universities and in our culture, and it still gains acceptance today. What are you saying, Brother Kilman? Because there's something more powerful than military force. It's ideas. And I gotta, I gotta hurry. All I want to remind you is, is what Jesus is saying. A gate always leads to a way. You accept a little idea into your family and I'm gonna tell you, it's not long before you go down that road and when you're 10, 15 years down the road and all of a sudden you realize, how did my little family get in this mess? You ready? You have to say, I gotta go back to that straight gate and I'm gonna enter that narrow way and Jesus, you tell me how to get my family into victory. You tell me how to get them out of pain. You show me the pathway to blessing and I'm gonna accept your lordship. Because I'm not smart enough to direct my own life. You know how wonderful, Brother Herb, thank you for that lesson. You know how wonderful it is to have a direction. To You're not smart enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough time to figure out all of the aspects of life. You ready? But if I have a directive from God, I don't need to understand everything. I can start walking in blessing and figure out as I live my life more and more, I know this book is right. That's why old timers used to say it gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by because the more I obey this book, the more I see the fruit of that obedience blesses my life and blesses my family and blesses my marriage and blesses my society and I can see that that book is right. That's why Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits. And then the last one, I'm gonna hurry. Herbert Marcuse, his book, Eros and Civilization, where he synthesizes the theories of Karl Marx and Sigmund Freud, and that's where you get the post-Stonewall acceptance. If you don't know what the Stonewall riot is, I'll, I'll let you look that up on your own with your, I have to be careful. And, and, and basically, uh, it was aimed at the sexual revolution of the 1960s, Brother Cox, to destroy the nuclear family. And then the last one, William Reich. He said, the best way to implement that beyond just the culture is to start sex education in school. But a gate leads to a way. And Jesus says that Broadway leads to a destination. That narrow way leads to a destination. What does a destination look like, Brother Kilman? I think it's fascinating that Lenin passed the no-fault divorce policy to encourage sexual infidelity and Marx advocated the dissolving of the family. And they, why? Because they didn't want the family educating their children. They wanted the state in control of that. That was implemented uh, the, the first time in American history that uh, the no-fault divorce policy was instituted after the revolution of the 1960s. Brother Brahm, it came uh, from Vladimir Lenin. It didn't come from, you used to have to work at getting a divorce in America. Brother Kilman, why are you saying that? Because all of a sudden you go through that gate, that idea, and it leads to a way of life, and it leads to a destination of destruction. That's why only 4% of American kids were born to ed unwed uh, 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 parents in 1950. But now it's 41%, 73% among black Americans. Now, why point all of that out, Brother Kilman? Because 71% of dropouts have no father in the home. You're leading, you're leading your family down the road to destruction. 
Can you see the value of this church? That you can tell young people there is a Lord, there is a gate that you can enter, there is a way of blessing, there is a, there is a safety for your family under the Lordship of Jesus Christ that leads to a destination. No hurry. Jesus says two groups. Turn to your neighbor and say, only two groups. He says there are the few, there are the many. Now go ahead and get comfortable with that. You're always going to be in the few if you're going to be blessed by God. And there's some really great bad examples in the world. You ready? When you realize that, wow, I'm not very popular, that's okay. Uh, you look around outside of the church, and I don't mean this mean-spirited. I think this should cause more impulse for uh, evangelism, Brother uh, Brom, than it does uh, some type of haughty spirit. When I look out in the world, I'm very happy that I'm in the minority view of what's going on in the marriages, marriages in America. I'm very happy to be part of the chosen few who had the blessing around my relationship with my son, and it doesn't look like the relationship of father and sons out in the world. And I understand people can have popularity and acceptance and it looks like the ease of travel in their life because they can just go along. Let me, let me just preach Walt Disney to you. Walt Disney made a beautiful, uh, uh, forgive me for this, this is Kilman, K-I-L-O-M-O-N. Uh, but he, he made a beautiful contribution to American culture in, in, in the film called, or the movie called Pinocchio. Where John Brown, he says, Brother Brown, he says, uh, when little boys give themselves to pleasure, when you ignore your conscience, Jiminy Cricket, when you ignore your conscience and you give yourself to constant pleasure, what happens is you become a beast of burden. You become a slave to your passion and your pleasure. You couldn't get that out of Walt Disney today to save your life. Because they're on a different way. And that life principle is success happens in your life, in your family, uh, in, in, in our churches, in our nations, in our organization. Success happens at the far end of time and good choices. Or say it another way, you win or lose by the way you choose. It's a good little children's play would say. Then there are two destinations. Turn to your neighbor and say, only two destinations. There's a way that leads to life and the way that leads to destruction. Both in this life and in your eternal destiny. I don't know that we can get away with things like this today. I just don't think we could. I don't think we become so seeker friendly. I don't think you can get away with this. I don't even know if I advocate this. I just think it was a different time, Brother Cox. Like you can go uh, uh, over to Europe right now and there's this place called Lubeck Cathedral. They have this inscription on the outside of their church to welcome their church members, to welcome all their visitors. <laughs> I don't think this is, I don't know, Brother Brown. He says, thus speaketh Christ our Lord to us. You call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me the way and walk in me not. You call me life and live me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. It says, you call me wise and follow me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. You call me eternal and seek me not. If I condemn you, blame me not. What does that mean, Brother Kim? That's heavy. I know. But sin does not bless. This church needs to say we're not ashamed 
of a straight gate and a narrow way because we know the destination. And unapologetically, we stand with our pastor and with the leadership here. Then lastly, turn to your neighbor and say, thank God. There's two responses. And Jesus says, Brother Herb's only two responses. There are those that find and there are those that just go in. Now, what does he mean? That Greek word for find is horisko in the Greek. And Thayer shows find means to find a thing sought. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. And what he's saying is few there be that find it. Verse 14, hati, the Greek word, because straight is the gate, few there be that find it. So what is he saying? Jesus is saying, why do so many go in at the broad, broad way? Because you don't, forgive me tonight, I just want to share my heart, okay? You don't have to really work hard at going to hell. You just have to do what your friends do, do what your neighbors do, follow everybody else, and they will go in. But if you're going to find the place that leads to life, you have to seek it. I'll, I'll close tonight. Jesus is saying something like this. There are consequences for rejecting right. Narrowness, yes, it's, there's a difficulty, and that's there to remind us, according to Christ, our charge is to stay true. Even if the whole world abandons the way, and as things destabilize in our culture, and it becomes even more chaotic, when people get tired of the consequences of sin, and they're looking for an exit off that road to another road, the question will be, can they find a friend still serving God, Herb said, maybe go to a liberal, edu- uh, liberal institute. They get to the end of that education. They realize the emptiness of it. They're going to look around and say, can I still find Andrew Herbst? Can I still find those people over at Connect Point? Can I still find people that believe that there is a straight way that leads to life? They're going to need a voice and a person and a people and a church, and the prodigal son needs a robe, he needs a ring, he needs a sandal, he needs a fatted calf, and that's awesome, but mostly he needs a healthy home to return to. Let me just, would you stand with me tonight? I I know this is odd. I tried to talk Jesus out of this on the way here. Thank you, that's right. See, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying something like this to us in this wonderful, the the, the most beautiful sermon, arguably, in history. What choices are you making? And he's saying saying something like this, Brother Bubbas. Does the Broadway appeal? And Jesus is saying, yes, to every single one of us. The Broadway appeals. Yes, to everybody who's a human being. If you don't think you're a human being, come on up here. I, got, I, I didn't get on a plane, so I can prove. I can cut you. You will bleed red. And that's why this is in Scripture. Jesus is not just talking. He knows our tendency of human beings. What tendency, Brother Kilman? To, to only listen and not do. 
That's the issue. So what do I need to do, Brother Kilman? It's very simple tonight. You need to choose to have no deliberate disobedience in your life whatsoever. Well, what if I do that, Brother Kilman? What is the result? You can live confidently in view of your future. And you can carry your own life down that road. You can carry your family down that road. And you can, you can be confident that whatever this road I'm on brings, my destination is sure. And one thing you can do is you can look around at the pain in the world and you can say, that ain't my road. So what are you saying, Brother Kilman? You just have to say at the end of the day, if there really are only two destinations, then I got to know there's a lot of cultural pressure for me to get on that other road. And I know I'm constrained and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean in tonight. There's some things I can't do. There's some things I can't watch. There's some things I can't belong to. There's some places I can't go. I get all that. I know I'm constrained. But my life doesn't have the same type of scars Come on, I need some of you that come to the Lord from a past to just say amen. There's some things that my children don't have to know. Brother Herbst, I'm, I'm, in, uh, I'm in Sacramento, California, and I'm listening to the pastor who's, uh, they, they got a, about, about a, maybe six of those kids in that entire church now are second generation. And I'm watching the pastor begin to deal with the pain and the hurt and peel away in a beautiful pastoral way in an altar call uh, the lies and the condemnation that you have such a past that God can't use you. And just watch him beautifully, Brother Brown, begin to peel away the lies of the enemy to say that it doesn't matter what my past is, the Lord has redeemed me. And, and it was beautiful. It was, I, I just was in awe of my good friend uh, being used by the Lord. And, but Brother, Brother Cox, I was watching these two girls on the back row, teenage girls, they were kind of chatting and kind of goofing off a little bit. They weren't being disrespectful. But they were just talking with each other, and then they, then they turned around and they started worship. And I realized, these young girls don't have a clue what he's talking about. Which is the beauty of bringing your family to the house of God. Amen. Brother Kilman, you got some scars? Yeah, I got some scars of sin. I wish I could say I've made every good choice, but I'm going to tell you. You ready? If you're, if you're, how many of you are first generation? Yeah. How many of you know what it's like to say, my kids don't have to grow up with the same pain that I've had to grow up with? I'm going to tell you, there's an incredible hurting world out there that is just waiting on somebody with the confidence to say, there's another road that you can get on. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads tonight? Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also, don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you, and we hope you have a great week. Music